hello, hello. Welcome to Basically Blind. I'm your host, Avery. This is a podcast where I share my experience living with vision loss, and I also talk about different topics around diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. I'm happy to report clearly that I'm still alive. I survived the heat wave that hit the Pacific Northwest, and I know that on the past few podcasts, I had complained about how hot it was in the room where I was recording. Apparently, I didn't even know what hot was because it got up to like 107, 109, something like that in Seattle. And we are not built for heat like that. It It's not good. And part of the reason that we're not built for it is that majority of the homes in Seattle do not have air conditioning. And there's a good amount of businesses that also don't have air conditioning. So our homes end up being the same temperature, if not hotter than what it is outside. And then the structure gets so hot that it's impossible to cool it down. And I just want to give a very big shout out to my dad, Bobby B., Bob Burschauer, that I had texted him on Saturday night because our bedroom is on the top floor of our townhouse and it was practically inhabitable. We made it work one night, but we did not know what we were going to do. And I knew that my dad had a extra window unit air conditioner and I messaged him Saturday night and he came over Sunday and he installed it for us. And without that, maybe I would not be here. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. I was so hot. And once that air conditioner was installed, I did not leave that room for the next 48 hours. <laughs> but it it's it's incredibly shocking. Like yesterday, I think it was a high of like 89. And then today it only got up to like 78. It cooled down so much. It feels so good. And we are in the Pacific Northwest fully appreciative now of our mild summer. Oh, we used to always joke that 4th of July doesn't come until the 5th of July here. Like summer doesn't happen until the 5th of July because growing up, our 4th of Julys were always kind of gray, a little overcast, really not the case anymore. And definitely cannot say that this year. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, we did okay. Our animals are okay. I mean, the biggest casualty in our home is that I had an, a huge bag of, um, chocolate covered almonds that I had bought and they kind of melted and just congealed into two giant clumps it so like we're kind of just gnawing on them now but that's that's it I now feel free like the the townhouse is cool enough that I feel free to move about the cabin um and that means that um you know I'm like actually like cleaning because it was just so hot. I couldn't clean. I couldn't really do anything. And um, something 
that's not so fun about being visually impaired is that you just always end up discovering things by touch because <laughs> you can't you can't see it and um and sometimes this can be like really disgusting like our dog he's he's house trained but every once in a while he'll find something and he'll eat it and he'll get an upset stomach and he'll have diarrhea somewhere and I don't know how it happens, but somehow I'm always the one that finds it, it seems like, and I find it with my foot, which is horrific and disgusting. And then there's less disgusting things, just like finding a really sticky spot that needs to be cleaned on a countertop. Um, but today what I discovered, which was pretty gross, was um, I was looking for a pore spout in our washing machine and we have a side load washing machine and I was looking for it and it was just on the front of it. And for some reason I just completely missed it. And then I thought, well, maybe it's on the inside of the machine. So I went in checking and then I was touching around where the rubber ring that creates the seal on the washing machine is. And Oh my God. Oh my God. I discovered just like, huge deposits and clumps of probably people. So mostly me, um, like human hair and animal hair. And it was so, it was so disgusting. So I scraped it out with my hand. I got it all out. So we're not dealing with that anymore. That's me being a good wife and doing my part. Um, and I've been helping in the kitchen too, because we just recently got uh, signed up for a local CSA, so um, community supported um, agriculture. So we get a box of local organic produce, and every week, and then every other week, we get a dozen eggs that are organic farm raised, and I'm I'm loving it. And we're like finding new um, vegetables we've never tried before. Like there's there's this thing that we get that it's called a garlic scape and I'm really sensitive to garlic, but the garlic scapes give you the same amount of flavor, but it doesn't seem to bother me nearly as much as normal garlic. So I'm really excited about discovering those. And, um, I've just been doing my part, prepping the veggies and washing them and getting them all ready. So then Cam just has to cook them up and we just oven roasted some beets and we have some goat cheese and we're going to have delicious salads. So that's my life. That's my personal, um, update as to what's going on. And we'll be meeting up with some friends and also some family over this coming weekend and overall having a very low key 4th of July though. I have been asked by people on more than one occasion. I've been asked when I have done trainings um, for different organizations around accessibility. Um, and I've also been asked by people just casually in conversation, you know, what's my preference when, when it comes to how I'm addressed with my disability? And by that, do I prefer person first or identity first. 
And an example of that for myself would be, do I prefer someone to refer to me as a blind person or a person who is blind or a person who has blindness or visual impairment? I personally don't care. Like I personally do not care. Um, But there are people that definitely care a lot as a whole the blind community, um, the national federation for the blind had put out a statement where they are more on board with people first language. And when in doubt, that is the safe route to go is to go with people first. So if someone has some sort of a medical condition, um, so the examples that I had seen written up were a person with diabetes, a person with epilepsy, a person who is obese, um, a, a person with visual impairment. Those are all examples of situations where you should use person first language, you know, um, a person in a wheelchair. And the idea behind that is because when you put the medical ailment first, you're allowing that to be the defining characteristic. And there are multiple people within the the disabled community that they feel that they feel that you need to put the emphasis on the fact that people with disabilities are people first and foremost. But on the flip side that there's identity first. And that's when you are putting whatever condition or disability that that person has in front of person. And while there are certain groups that don't like that, there are specific groups that they actually prefer it that way. And the two groups that were noted for this the most were both the deaf community and the um, autistic community. And their idea is that by putting... When with people first language, you're almost kind of downplaying the the fact that this person identifies as having a visual impairment, as having autism, as being deaf. And for them, it's it's a key piece to, key piece as to how and who they identify as. And they don't want that dismissed. They want it acknowledged, especially especially when it does come to uh, the autistic and deaf community. The deaf community is really vibrant in itself. And you think about it, it makes complete sense too. With American Sign Language, you know, if you speak sign language, like that's, it's a completely different language all in itself. You know, they they experience things differently but there there's there's a lot of beauty and nuance to it as well there is a show that was on abc family now known as freeform and it was called switched at birth not not a good name not a good name for a show it, a terrible title but it was a good show. It was really interesting. The The premise of the show honestly doesn't, like, it's not encapsulated fully by the title of the show. 
As you might have guessed, there are two girls on the show and they were switched at birth. But the piece that they you kind of lose with the title is that one of them is is deaf and she goes to an all deaf high school and you see a lot about um the deaf community and that's it's deaf with a capital d which they consider that that they speak american sign language they're reliant on that whereas there there are other individuals a lot of times that might have cochlear implants that um that have helped make it so that they can hear better. And it's to the point that maybe they don't use American sign language. I know, I know someone who is like that. She doesn't herself use American sign language. She's able to hear enough and read lips enough that she, she doesn't communicate with ASL at all. And that would be, they would consider that community to be like deaf with a lowercase D. So there's all that there's, it's it's such a rich culture that exists just within the deaf community and they put so much pride in having hearing impairment being deaf that they personally want identity first because it's so core to who they are and within the autistic community you know there are barriers that obviously exist and some things are harder for people who have autism, but they also acknowledge that people with autism have these abilities that a lot of, a lot of other people don't, you know, for example, um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but there's one specific form of autism that, um, you know, what I think of just off the the top of my head is the Big Bang Theory. And Sheldon Cooper had that form of autism where you don't pick up on the social cues, but you are so intelligent. Like you're able to recall things and, and just you, a lot of people who have autism, they'll become very focused on a specific subject and they'll be amazing subject matter experts within it. I saw this great documentary was um, nominated for an Oscar a couple years back. I believe it was called Life Animated. And it followed um, this, this guy who he started watching Disney shows when he was really young and he's still obsessed with them to this day and the um he's still obsessed with them to this day and he he was not speaking at all and it was watching these movies and then reciting back the lines and getting into all the characters. That was how he first started communicating with his family. And just the level of detail that he can recall these movies and how dead on he can, he can do the impressions of the different characters. That's not something that most people can do. And, you know, for good reason, 
the autistic community really feels that that should be celebrated and that should be thought of because there are plenty of strong capabilities that you can have as someone with autism. It's not just, oh, you're different. Oh, it's bad. Um, so that's, those are two communities that prefer identity first since they want the fact that this piece that makes them different, they want that put first and foremost. Now, as I said before, I personally, I don't care. I'm a person who happens to be blind, who has a visual impairment. I'm a blind person. I will say that from a fundamental standpoint, when you look at those two identities, yes, I, who I am, I'm a visually impaired person. It is a big piece of me. However, I know that when I meet people, I want them knowing me and getting to know me prior to just associating me with only being blind or visually impaired. I, I don't want that being the defining characteristic for me. So even though I don't mind either one of them, I would definitely say that people first language resonates with me the most. And and that's definitely what I try to carry forth when I'm talking about other populations. But it's preference. You know, it's very similar to how um, within the BIPOC community, some people want to be referred to as black. Some people want to be referred to as African-American. It really comes down to preference. preference. So it's important with whoever you're speaking to, to ask them what they prefer. But if you're doing a, if you're doing a, an article or you're addressing a group, again, unless it's one of those specific communities that has been outlined as preferring identity first, people first language is the safest bet. It should be the default that you go with. And if you're talking about the entire community of people with disabilities, then referring it to it in that way of people with disabilities is what they consider the best practice. You'll notice sometimes that I'll say the disabled community or disabled people. I switch it back and forth because I know that different people prefer different things and I'm trying to be fully inclusive of that. So just know that when you're listening to these podcasts and you're hearing that. Now, I've spoken about this on at least one previous podcast. There are certain terms that should just never be used. Don't refer to someone as handy capable. Like if you call me handy capable, I will slap you. Like I, it's just, it's too cutesy. Like we're just, we're trying too hard to put a positive spin on it. And it's almost like we're acknowledging by saying handy capable or another one is differently abled. I hate that one too. I really don't like that one. There was a group that, they put it out they put out an application and it was through the city of seattle they put out an application for people and i had been asked if i would apply for it and i looked over the application and 
I had multiple reasons why I chose to not apply and move forward with it. But one of the big things for me was that on the application, it gave you the option to identify yourself as differently abled. And, oh, it just made me cringe so much reading that because it you're, you're trying to make it positive and it's just by... By having to come up with different verbiage, you're just perpetuating the stigma that exists with people having a disability or any sort of a handicap. It's not a bad word. You can say disability. You can say handicap. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And by trying to use these kind of like just over the top positive spins on them, it's just, it's more of a disservice. Like it to me is more of an indication of someone's ignorance that they're using that or they're just their lack of comfort with the idea of someone having a disability. So that's something to definitely keep in mind. Just don't use those. (laughs) But, you know, just to kind of wrap up what we went over. So people first language, that's when you put the person in front of whatever the condition, health condition, you know, and it could be like a person with cancer. I'd never heard it this way, but the, the way of saying a person with cancer and identity first is a cancerous person. That sounds terrible. (laughs) It doesn't even, to me, that doesn't even sound like someone who has cancer. That just sounds like someone who's incredibly toxic that you don't want to be around. Um, so yeah, the, when it's, when it is the the person put before the health condition, um, that is considered people first language. When you're putting the ailment or condition or group that that person identifies as prior to the term person or people, that's identity first language. And as stated before, our main takeaway is that Rule of thumb, it's best to use people first language unless it's a specific group that has identified as preferring identity first, which is the deaf community and the autistic community more often than not. But it does all come down to personal preference. So make sure that you're asking people how they prefer to be identified and referred to. I hope that helps because I know that those terms aren't just kind of commonplace. So making sure that people know what they are, they have a good understanding, um, it helps you know how you should be conducting yourself in a way where you're not going to accidentally offend someone. Um, And you can have these conversations with a lot more confidence because I think that it is very hard to not offend someone today when you're talking. There's a lot of there's a lot of rules going on. We've changed a lot of things from how they used to be, and that's not at all a bad thing. Change is a good thing, especially when it comes to awareness and advocacy around marginalized communities and for me especially, you know, identifying with the community of people with disabilities. So go forth, use Use the proper um, way of identifying someone according to what they prefer. And I wish all of you just 
a super safe and fun 4th of July. You know, it's, I'm so excited. It's actually a pretty normal 4th of July this year for the most part, at least in comparison to what it's been in the past. So, you know, with that, Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please make sure that you've subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, if you haven't, rate and review the podcast so other people are able to find it. Follow us on social media. We have a Facebook page as well as an Instagram at basicallyblindpod. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.